0: So I'm reading from Second Samuel chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. The Lord sent Nathan to David. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are that man. And then verse 13, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord.
1: Thank you, Pastor Tyler. Uh, Some of you have asked me uh, how I'm doing. You know that I I had an ear injury scuba diving back in May, and then I um, had some problems with equilibrium and some hearing loss, and then ringing in my ears and all those kinds of things, and it culminated with me having surgery back in July. And we're about five weeks out now, and you've asked, like, how are you doing? So I'm... The grafting they did in my inner ear has taken, and that's good news. And so my equilibrium is back. Uh, I'm not dizzy. I'm not having a problem with balance. I'm not ready for a high wire act yet, but I'm doing really well. Uh, and now it just remains to be seen uh, how my hearing is going to progress. I have some hearing loss. We're not quite sure how much. Uh, we'll know in a couple months we're going to retest uh, when it's all fully healed, and we'll, we'll see how I'm doing. But as I think about that, and I think back um, to the incident when it happened in, in, in July or uh, in May, Lori and I were, were scuba diving and, and kind of just replaying the events. You know, we have a, a fair amount of experience, been doing it for 16 years and never had an incident like that before. And what happened to me was uh, I was underwater and I had pressure in my ear. And when you have pressure, they teach you you need to equalize, which means you need to clear the pressure out of your ear and you need to stay at whatever depth you're at or even slowly uh, ascend if you need to uh, and work at equalizing. And if you can't equalize, then obviously you can't continue to dive, so you have to discontinue your dive and uh, get back on shore on a boat if you're diving from a boat. So I was underwater. I couldn't equalize. I was at a depth trying to equalize, but there was a surge, and so I was going up bend and down. And when you equalize, it's important that you stay at a, at a steady depth, okay? Really important. So I was having difficulty with that. Made it hard to equalize. But then there was something else I found out later on, once I got back on the boat, once I cut my dive short. I found out that um, there, were, there was more weight in my my BCD, which is a vest that divers wear, uh, and you put weight in it, and then it also inflates, and and, and you use that to control your buoyancy, and when you're underwater, you want to be neutrally buoyant or weightless, Uh, but what I discovered is I had more weight in my vest than I was supposed to, okay? Uh, There was a mistake that had been made, and there was extra weight put in there. And so that also contributed to my inability to remain kind of neutrally buoyant and stay at one depth and clear the pressure in my ear, all right? Um, One of the things they they, they teach you in in scuba diving is um, how critical it is to your buoyancy um, to make sure you have the right amount of weight when you're diving. And uh, when Lori and I took a rescue diving class, Um, They told us that a number of people every year that have serious injuries or die in scuba diving do so in shallow water. And and the reason they found out that happens is in the midst of whatever's going on, people panic or they forget. And uh, rather than just dumping their weight, right, they keep their weight in their vests and they keep weighted down. And, and, And people actually drown and die in very, very shallow water because they don't dump their weights, I want to talk to you about that today. I want to talk to you about dumping weight from your life. But in particular, I want to talk to you about dumping the weight of sin. Okay? Sin in your life. Now, this is an uncomfortable topic for all of us. um, But it's a topic we all need to talk about and we all need to consider. Because it doesn't take but a little bit in your life to really mess up your spiritual buoyancy, okay? And uh, we learn from David how important it is to recognize sin and then to deal with it, not to carry it, not to allow it to be a weight in our lives. Now, in our passage in 2 Samuel chapter 12, Nathan is sent by the Lord to David. There's sin in David's life. You might recall uh, that David, while his armies were out at war, saw a a woman, Bathsheba, and he had desire for her. And uh, while her husband, Uriah, was gone, he had relations with her. And not only that, but she is pregnant. With his child. So he, in an attempt to cover that, asked for Uriah to come back from the battlefield and to give him time with his wife. And he thinks that a conjugal visit will happen, and the child that she's with, everybody will think, well, it's his child because he came back from battle. But he, being a good soldier, saying, Hey, I can't do that. My men are out fighting. It wouldn't be the honorable thing. I'm not going to do that. So then David gives the order for him to be put on the front line of the battlefield, where he's certain to be killed. And he is. Um, And so David uh, is going to end up taking Bathsheba as his wife, Uh, they're going to have a child. But in the midst of all of this, in the attempt to cover everything up, the Lord sends Nathan to David. Now remember, the Lord anointed and appointed David to be king. David is a man after God's own heart. Okay? So we're we're not talking about somebody else or somebody that doesn't have a faith or belief in God, or, or somebody that you might expect to fall into uh, a moral lapse or failure or other kind of sin. This is a person after God's own heart, right? And when I think about that, and I think about our lives, your life and my life, um, I think about how susceptible we are, uh, how we all have that capacity given the right time or the right circumstance, um, to give in to temptations, um, to, to step outside of, of our walk with God, um, to neglect uh, our time with Him. Just a lot of different things can happen in our life that can cause us to go astray and fall into sin of all kinds. Uh, and even in our walk with the Lord, maybe we've developed patterns, Patterns of thinking, habits, things that we know aren't pleasing to God. And the the Holy Spirit, you know, acts like a... This is convicting, convicting. We know we're not quite right. We know we're not buoyant. We know we're carrying a weight uh, that God says, you know, you don't need to carry, you shouldn't carry. Um, Dump your weight. Dump your weight. Dump your weight, right? And so, Nathan... Sent by God to, to King David, um, wants him to realize, and all you realize but confess and deal with the weight of his sin, because he needs to dump his weight, because he's lost his spiritual buoyancy, and uh, it, it no doubt is eating him up inside, it's eroding away at him, it's definitely impairing his ability to lead as a godly man. And so the Lord sends Nathan. And Nathan tells a parable or a story. We read about that. Pastor Tyler read that. It's about a wealthy man and a poor man. And the wealthy man had lots of sheep. And the poor man had one ewe. Okay? The wealthy man's David. The ewe is who? Bathsheba, if you were to look at the parable. And uh, a visitor comes. And the wealthy man, rather than taking uh, a sheep from his flock takes the one sheep, the ewe, from the poor man and uses it to feed the visitor, the guest. And as David's hearing the story, Nathan says, now what do you, what do you think about that? And David's just enraged. He gets angry. He says, oh my goodness, this guy, he, he should pay for this fourfold. <laughs> and uh, if you look, uh, at this, in Second Samuel chapter twelve, it says in verse five, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, "As surely as the Lord lives, this man who did this must die!" Exclamation point. He must pay for that lamb four times over, uh, referring to um, Exodus, I believe, twenty-two, uh, one. Okay. Because he did such a thing and had no pity. Okay? It's ironic, as David says, he must pay for this four times over. That after this, David is going to experience the death of four sons. Um, the son they had together uh, with Bathsheba, uh, Amnon, Absalom, uh, and Adonijah. They're, they're, uh, they're all going to die. How ironic that is, huh? But, Nathan looks to David, and he says, you are that man. And this morning, as we read this scripture, and as we look at David's sin, and then uh, Nathan confronting him with sin, um, I hope that all of us can stand in the place of David. And as we think about sin in our life, as we think about unconfessed sin in our life, it could be something like real big. It can be something really small, but you know what that is. If it's there, you know about it. And the Spirit of God alerts you to that because God loves you too much to let you live in that without creating a little tension inside, a little conviction, because He wants you to deal with it. Because He knows what happens if you carry the excess weight of sin. What happens when you're no longer spiritually buoyant. Um, It causes problems in our life, and those problems extend to people around us. And He loves us too much um, to allow us to stay that way. So, here's my, my hope and my prayer this morning that as we read about this story and as we hear Nathan say to David, you are that man, if there is sin in your life, unconfessed sin, or sin that's being hidden, that you would hear Nathan's words to David and receive them as your own. You are that man. You are that woman. Okay? Ooh, makes me squirm. And if it's making you squirm, then there's a crisis of belief. And that crisis of belief is, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to continue to live in it, to hide it, to deny it, to shift blame onto someone else, minimize it? Those are all things that, that we can do. Or are we going to own it? And are we going to trust God with it? And are we going to meet God in that place of brokenness from sin in our life? And are we going to acknowledge it, confess it, and deal with it, and allow Him, right, to help us dump that weight? That's the question. That's the question. Are we going to do that? Let's look what David does. Verse 13, Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I've sinned against the Lord. Underline that in your Bible because we're going to see something that's really, really important here. We're going to learn some things from David and his response. I have sinned against the Lord. Um. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin, and you're not going to die. But because by doing this you have shown utter contempt for the Lord, the son born to you will die. All right, And there'll be other consequences. And so, when we confess sin, uh, God is faithful. Uh, he forgives sin. But that doesn't remove the consequences. And, and I find that the longer we stay in those conce- the longer we stay in sin... Uh, the longer we allow it to weigh us down, it's likely uh, that the more severe the consequences are going to be. Okay? That's why it's better to deal with it sooner than later. Uh, But in David's life, as in our lives, uh, while God forgives us for sin, he doesn't necessarily remove the consequences from our sin. Although he'll walk with us through that. He'll strengthen us and be there for us. But there are often consequences that don't go away. Turn to Psalm 51. It's a psalm of David, and it relates specifically to this passage in 2 Samuel 12. And and this is David's psalm after he had been confronted by Nathan, after he had committed the sin of adultery with Bathsheba. This is his psalm. And look at verses 1 and 2. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgression. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. This is a wonderful psalm. And there are times in my life when the, the Holy Spirit convicts me of sin. And I go to this psalm. And this psalm becomes my psalm. It becomes my prayer. And if you are that man or that woman this morning, it can become yours. And the first thing David does is is he confesses. But look at this. And this is why this is so important. Verses 3 and following. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me, Verse 4, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Now, here's something really important for all of us to recognize. Okay? That all sin is sin against God. All sin, first and foremost, is sin against God. Uh, forget What it does to us internally, unconfessed sin, is like a little wrath that just gnaws away at our insides. Or like it becomes a weight that weighs us down spiritually and allows us not to be buoyant, okay? It threatens our well-being if we don't dump it and get rid of it. Forget about that. Just the point that all sin is sin against God. First and foremost. Uh, And so... Sometimes we, we try to hide or cover up our sin like David did. That's what uh, our, 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 our human parents, if you will, Adam and Eve did in the garden. What was the very first thing they did? They hid from God. Because sin interrupts the relationship we have with the Lord. And sometimes it can literally cause us to want to run from God, to hide from God. So rather than deal with it and, and, and face Him... Because he is loving, he wants to forgive, we, we try to hide. And, and, and that's what David did. He tried to hide, he tried to cover up, he had elaborate plots and plans. But when he recognizes and he confesses, the first thing he does is he wants to get right with God because he knows that all sin is sin against God. Okay? I know my transgressions. And my sin is always before me against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil on your side. So it doesn't do us any good to try to hide it, right? But then there's a second thing that we do. And, and that is we, we sometimes want to blame others. We don't want to take responsibility. Uh, maybe we're in a situation where in a relationship there's things going on and, and, and it's caused us not caused us. As a result, we have chosen to, be, to respond or behave in a certain way, and that, and that manifests itself in sinful behavior, ungodly behavior. But then rather than deal with that, then we want to blame somebody else. Well, look at them. Look what they did to me. Their sin is worse than mine, and so on and so forth, right? We rationalize, we blame. Check out what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 7, verses 3 and 4. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? Okay? When I was a youth pastor, we used to have a song called Log Eye. Okay? And, and when we attempt to put our sin aside... And not deal with it. And we deflect by blaming others for theirs. All the while. We know we have our own. That's what it means to be a law guy. And Jesus says don't be a law guy. Don't don't try to hide your sin. Don't try to deflect and blame others in an attempt to cover up. And then finally, don't try to minimize. Because no matter how great or how small, David in Psalm 51 says, God, I know that all sin is sin against you. All sin is sin against you. It's interesting. I I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm, I'm confronted with this reality. That I know what is right. I, I know what is pleasing to God. I know what God wants me to do. But I do the wrong thing anyway. Huh? It's kind of like Paul when, when he's talking in Romans chapter 7. It's just that, that, that thing that happens. But I believe that as Christians, we're to live in to life in the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit to cultivate virtue in our life, the fruit of the Spirit in our life, and to dump the excess weight and to make room in our heart and our life for the fruit of the Spirit that God wants to be present. 1 John nine. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We know that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that, don't we? And uh, the truth is, I am that man. You are that man. You are that woman. And we come to God because we know that a broken and contrite spirit, that's later on in Psalm 51. I just encourage you to read that a broken and contrite spirit, God will not despise. But He receives us when we come to Him. And and we know that we we come to faith in Christ because we recognize that there is sin in our life and, and we need a Savior and Christ is our Savior. He died on the cross for our sins. His, his blood cleanses us. But there's that ongoing process of walking with Him. The spiritual words called sanctification, in which we're learning and, and being conformed by the Holy Spirit's work in our life more and more to His image, okay? And that's that, that development of Christian virtue in our life. We become more like Jesus. But as that's going on, there are times when we stumble, we make mistakes, sometimes we blow it. Sometimes it's a, just a little bit, and sometimes we blow it really big. But John and, and 1 John says, listen, you know, yes, it's important that you confess sin when you come to faith in Christ, but it's important that you're aware of it throughout your, your walk with Him, and that you don't want anything to get in the way, you don't want anything to impede that relationship and your growth as a Christian. And so it's important that we're constantly aware of it, that we're listening to the Spirit of God and that we confess it to God. And He's just and He's faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us. That is the work of Jesus on the cross. That's the ongoing work of Jesus in the sacrifice of the cross in our life. So there doesn't need to be something that comes between ourselves and God. And so this morning, as we come to communion, we are reminded of Christ's sacrifice. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Okay? But then as we walk with Him, and as the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives, conforming Him more and more to His image, as we're growing in Christian virtue, as we become aware of sin... We we want to confess first and foremost to God. We want to get rid of any barriers that impede that relationship. We don't want to hide from Him. We don't want to blame others. We don't want to minimize. Okay? We just want to confess. First and foremost, Lord, against you and you alone have I sinned. And you know what happens when we do that? It's like taking and just dumping the weights. And suddenly there's a buoyancy a spiritual buoyancy that God desires for all of us in our lives. And so we remember one night before he was to go to the cross Jesus took bread and he broke it and he said this is my body which is is broken for you. Whenever you eat this, eat this in remembrance of me. Then he took the cup and pouring it out, he said, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink from this cup, drink in remembrance of me, so that whenever we eat the bread and we drink from the cup, we declare our Savior's death until he comes again. And he is coming again. As the worship team comes forward and we prepare for communion. I want to give an invitation to all of us if if there is a weight of unconfessed sin in your heart in your life this morning is your opportunity to, to dump the weight okay to come to the Lord and first and foremost to get right with him it's so important Back at the cross, there are those who would love to pray with you, love to just encourage you in your walk with Christ. But as you come first and foremost, come today recognizing that at this table, there's freedom. There's freedom from sin. That we have forgiveness of sin. but We don't have to live in the weight of that as we go through life. As the Lord works in our heart and lives. So this morning, come. Come celebrating the forgiveness, but receive that forgiveness. Dump the weight. Let it go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the sacrifice of your Son. We thank you that His shed blood on the cross is for us, and that His blood cleanses us and washes us. And yet, Lord, we know that in this life we stumble, we struggle. There, there are times when, Lord, we do fall into sin. There is unconfessed sin. And, Lord, we don't want to carry that. We want to, to dump that weight. And, and this morning we come to You, and we want to leave that here. And so, Father, as we come to this table We embrace the freedom and the forgiveness that's ours in Christ. But we also come wanting to dump any weight that we may be carrying, any weight from sin, confessing and walking in the fullness of the freedom that is ours in Christ. Father, we commit this time and Lord, our our prayer Uh, is is the prayer of the psalmist. Create in us a clean heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.